We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. Two more hours to go here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson here with you. Again, last edition of Sports Talk Saturday before the holidays. Christmas coming up next Saturday. New Year's Day coming up two weeks from today. Hope everybody does have a great Christmas and enjoys their time. And uh, again, thanks to Nate Gary for letting me uh, jump back in the captain's chair this week, hosting for him here on WGR on Sports Talk Saturday. All right, let's get a perspective on this matchup tomorrow between the Bills and Panthers from a Carolina side of things. Joining us right now on the Western Hotline from Locked On Panthers podcast is Julian, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Julian Council joining us right now on the Western Hotline. Uh, Julian, thanks again for taking the time uh, this afternoon to join us. How are you on this fine Saturday? I'm doing well. I feel like I'm one of the only people in Charlotte not up there in Buffalo right now <laughs> since seemingly half of your city's population has come down to here. I guess some Bonnie's alums probably aren't there yet after watching their team get slapped around by Virginia Tech in Charlotte, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah a lot of people up there um, from Charlotte who are Panther fans and from Charlotte who are for, formerly Buffalo residents up there for the Charlotte Super Bowl. There is the Carolina Panthers and Buffalo Bills playing tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, there. I mean, I mean, the Bills Panthers connection just lives on, and and we've even seen some instances in the past few years where instead of people going from Carolina to Buffalo, we've seen people from Buffalo go back to Carolina. So certainly some uh, some interesting banter back and forth between both teams still. Absolutely, there's uh, the two satellite campuses that we have from the uh, Carolina Panthers with their old Ron Rivera regime. Connections. We got we got Panthers Mid Atlantic with the Washington football team, then Panthers North in Buffalo. It's really cool to see what Sean McDermott, the former DC out here in Carolina, has done with that team, and also Brandon Bean, who was former assistant general manager, and plenty of other players on that team who've all had a really good season last year, and I guess this year haven't necessarily lived up to expectations, but I still look at Buffalo and see them heading in the right direction here over the next decade with Brandon Bean in charge, and then obviously with Josh Allen at quarterback. You guys are set up right. Where here in Carolina, things haven't been how we would have liked them to have gone so far this season. There's a lot of questions heading into year three and whether Matt Rule will get a year three. Julian Council from the Lockdown Panthers podcast joining us right now on the West Her hotline here on WGR. All right, Julian, let's get into this and, and get some thoughts on the Panthers because uh, I looked at the Panthers at the start of the season as one of those teams, honestly, that I thought at least they could contend in the wild card in the NFC. Probably wasn't going to be able to get above uh, the Buccaneers in terms of the division, but certainly I was able to, to look at them and kind of see them as, hey, they've got tools, they've got pieces as long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy and Sam Darnold can continue to uh, to show something at the NFL level, I think they've got a chance. They get the first three wins of the year, including a win against the Saints. And then since then, it's kind of fallen apart. In your eyes, what's happened with this team that has turned things so south? 
Well, the two things that were my concern coming into the season have come to fruition. The quarterback is terrible. Sam Darnold was god-awful in New York. I don't know why anyone ever thought he would be any better. When have we ever seen anyone in the National Football League put three years of tape that bad and ever turn things around? It was a terrible gamble, which was never a gamble. It was doomed to fail from the beginning. Because Sam Darnold, quite frankly, cannot play in this league. And he should have never been given the keys to the franchise without at least having some sort of competition. So he's been bad. Ian and the other quarterbacks that have played so far this season, like P.J. Walker, his backup, started off the season, who started a couple weeks ago in the win against Arizona on the road. He has not been great. He has more interceptions in his career here in Carolina than he has touchdowns. Cam Newton, while the first two weeks against Arizona and Washington, despite the loss, were fun, the last two weeks against Miami and then Atlanta on Sunday have brought us kind of back to reality of maybe Cam doesn't have that much left. Now, there's still four weeks left in the season for Cam Newton to prove that maybe he can be the Carolina Panther, an option at least for Carolina next season. I just don't know whether that's going to come to fruition. And then my second concern was the offensive line. Now, I will give them at least this. There have been a ton of offensive line injuries. They've had nine different starting combinations this season. There is no team in the NFL that can have that many starting combinations and have success. That being said, if they were healthy, this unit still is not very good outside of right tackle Taylor Moten, who got the bag before the season. Outside of him, four guys who are who started the season on the offensive line likely aren't going to be back next year to be starters. So the Carolina Panthers have to rework that in the offseason. They also have to find a quarterback, because Sam Darnold, while he'll be under contract and likely the backup here in Carolina at $18.858 million, he should never play another snap in the National Football League after what we've seen from him in four seasons. So looking ahead to tomorrow's matchup in Buffalo, looking at the quarterback group, you know, Darnold has been designated to return off injured reserve. They had three quarterbacks practicing this week in Darnold, Newton, and P.J. Walker as well. I mean, who are you starting? I mean, I mean, you talked about how Darnold, you know, shouldn't, you know, has looked bad, and how Newton is doesn't really have much left, and then PJ Walker's kind of just been PJ Walker. He he's a he's a backup. He's a third string quarterback in the NFL. Who are you starting if you're the Panthers heading into this matchup against Buffalo? Yeah, well, there was some COVID concerns. Matt Barkley, who's the fourth quarterback on the roster, right. went on the COVID list this week. Along Chris, alongside Chris McCaffrey, he's already out for the season anyway with the ankle injury and on IR. And P.J. Walker had to kind of do some remote work this week. There's concern that maybe he or Cam, who were both vaccinated, might potentially end up on the list. But right now, as of this conversation, that's not the case. But the Carolina Panthers are going to start Cam Newton. Cam Newton will play the majority of the snaps. The issue is Cam Newton came in about four weeks ago, does not have a full grasp of the offense. Therefore, it's difficult, at least the Carolina Panthers staff believes, for him to go out there and play in the two-minute offense or the four-minute offense, which they feel – P.J. Walker right now is better suited for. So all the jokes out there on Twitter of, oh, Cam Newton got benched again, that's not the case. If you're paying attention, you follow the team, you would know that actually Matt Rule has said, even going back to last week and the week prior, and when Cam first came here, that they still wanted to incorporate P.J. Walker into the offense. This is the first week where he just let it known straight off the bat that, yeah, P.J. is going to play and so is Cam. But if Cam plays well like he did against Washington a couple weeks ago, you probably won't see P.J. Walker, but the expectation moving forward, at least until Sam Darnold's possibly ready to go and they want to play him again, they're going to continue to play Cam as a starter, majority of the snaps, and also bring in P.J. Walker for certain situations. So, Julian, looking ahead at with 
everything that's going on with the at least the Carolina offense, it's been a, a struggle since the start of the season. I mean, they they've recently terminated Joe Brady as the offensive yeah. coordinator, and Matt Rule, when looking like a guy who was going to be this up and coming coach, and they signed him to a seven year contract, if I'm not mistaken, as as being like the future best coach in the NFL. One of, looked as one of those guys. Things are really turning south in terms offensively, and and just you know Christian McCaffrey injury doesn't help. Uh, you know they had Robbie Anderson come in, and he's been almost a ghost this year in terms of production. And uh, as you mentioned, the offensive line has looked really bad. Injuries don't help, but how do they turn things around in terms of the offense? And what are you looking forward to seeing from this group, at least in the final four games, even if, you know, they're still not out of playoff contention, but even if they don't make the playoffs, what are you hoping to see from this group? Yeah, they're only a game out of the wild card. The problem is they play Buffalo, Tampa twice, and on the road in New Orleans. Probably the toughest finish in the NFL this season. Uh, I just don't really know how much I can expect out of this offense. I mean, the offensive line still has injuries. They're still just not a great unit. The quarterback situation, as we just talked about, you're playing two quarterbacks. There might be even a thought to bring Sam Darnold back there later on when he's healthy just because you don't have to play two. You can only just play one at that, in that situation. Yeah, I just – I don't know. With Jeff Nixon is now the OC here in Carolina. He was Matt Rule's OC back in Baylor. They are longtime friends, and he probably should have been the OC to begin with. And Matt Rule and Joe Brady has never had – a great connection. There was obviously a disconnect with him offensively as term, in terms of the philosophy. Joe Brady really wanted to have a pass-heavy offense, like literally everyone in the NFL. Well, Matt Rule stuck on this Bill Parcells. we got to have 56 pass completions and run attempts a game, this old-school philosophy that no team in the NFL even likes to implement anymore. And that's also the only thing they can really do. The passing offense hasn't been very good this season, mainly because Sam Darnold was not able to take care of the football. The same thing we've seen with Cam Newton and P.J. Walker the last couple weeks. And the regression – of Robbie Anderson. It's not like, I don't, like, it's weird looking at it because last year, even without Miss Christian McCaffrey, and I know that's a, something that people like to bring up a lot, this offense still had four guys go over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons, and Curtis Samuel, who's been injured for the majority of the season with the Washington football team. So there was success last year, at least when they had Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't want to sit here and say everything was on Joe Brady. That being said, Joe Brady should have never been here. Though him and LSU, everyone acted like he was the architect of the offense. They had the number one draft pick in Joe Burrow. They had three NFL wide receivers and a first-round running back, the best offensive line in college football. He didn't recruit anybody. He didn't call the plays. So how the hell was Joe Brady some sort of genius? He should have never been here in Carolina in the first place, and he was in over his head, and we saw that by the lack of adjustments and this offense taking a massive regression here in year two. So in the final four weeks, what am I expecting out of this offense? A lot of three and outs, turnovers, and all the things that we've seen all season long because I just don't see how you're going to change it now, even with a new coordinator and new quarterback out there. Julian Council from the Locked on Panthers podcast joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. While the offense hasn't looked good this year, Julian, the defense continues to show that they've been able to keep uh, the Panthers in games throughout this year. Uh, while they haven't been perfect, they're currently second in the NFL in terms of yards against per game. Uh that that has to be the key for the Panthers in order to have any chance for them uh, to beat the Bills coming up tomorrow. It, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, and they have one of the best pass defenses in the league. I know Buffalo doesn't like to run the ball that much. They still have to account, obviously, for Josh Allen who's coming in this game a little banged up, but I'm not really worried about what Josh Allen's going to be able to do tomorrow. He's certainly a threat with his arm and his legs. But having a guy like Stephon Gilmore who can take away half that side of that field, and I'm sure they're going to have him um, – 
on God blanking right now, Stefan Diggs all day tomorrow. <laughs> like that will be a really excellent matchup to watch out. Here in Evangel Sanders not gonna play. McCole Beasley was an all pro last year. I think people have forgotten just how good he can still be. Might not have had the greatest of season so far this year, but I expect he's gonna have a pretty good game tomorrow. AJ Bouye will be out, so that hurts Carolina in terms of having their number two corner. Likely gonna have a guy like maybe CJ Henderson who they traded for a couple weeks ago, have to step in there. Um, maybe even Rashawn Melvin might step up. So it will be interesting to see how Carolina can play against him tomorrow. Now the key is they got to get some pressure. They have not been getting pressure on quarterbacks over the last couple of weeks. Hassan Reddick, who is likely to end up in the Pro Bowl after having over 10 sacks again this season. Him and Brian Burns, they got to pick it up. Those were two guys who a lot of people were expecting a lot of this season. Reddick's lived up to it. Burns has not recently, at least in the last couple of weeks. And the Panthers aren't great against the run. Now Buffalo's not a team that likes to run the ball a lot, but they can have success if they want to. So this defense has been one of the only bright spots so far this season. Really, it's been the defense and then the kickers and Gonzalez, who hasn't missed really since he got here in Carolina. Those are the things that can keep the team into the game on Sunday, but the offense is going to have to do something. And defense might even have to score and put them in plus territory and give them the opportunity to capitalize if they want to go on the road and shock Buffalo tomorrow. Who is the X factor that, in terms of Bills fans, that should be watching uh, to be a factor in terms of Carolina defensively? Who's who's one player that really should be that guy that they really need to watch out for, uh, whether it be in the secondary or up front? Uh, I think it's Jeremy Chin. He's on pace to have over 100 tackles. Uh, he's the only other players that have done that here in their first two years in Carolina are uh, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. So if he's able to do that, that would be incredible. He is a guy who's one of the young leaders in that secondary. He plays all over the field. Like they talk about positionless football. He's primarily played safety this year, but he can step up in, into uh, the nickel coverages, into the slot. He can also play linebacker if they need him to. They're going to need him to be active and all over the field tomorrow if they're going to be able to uh, stymie Buffalo's offensive attack. Well, you can follow Julian on Twitter. Feel free to give him a follow at Julian Council. Uh, Julian, it's it's. I'm interested because uh, it, according to your bio, you're Quebec-born. Where where were you born in Quebec? Oh, what was my? I says Little Switzerland, North Carolina, right? Right, uh, but I see QC, and and I know that is that. That's abbreviation oh, no. for Quebec, QC, right? QC is, is Queen City. Oh, jeez. So okay, yeah. that's. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, I'm like Quebec. Like, all right, cool. We're, we're from Quebec. That's that's really unique. But my mistake. I apologize there. Yeah. Little, little. But where is Little Switzerland though? I'm I'm interested in that as well. Yeah, Little Switzerland is actually this un- unincorporated mountain town here in North Carolina that literally like looks like the Swiss Alps. So hmm. uh, I've gone up there a few times, love it. Just uh, put it in my bio. It's like, yeah, I'm from Little Switzerland, even though not really from Central <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> kind of one of those little inside jokes I got with myself. But um, yeah, yeah, if you guys are ever in North Carolina, go to uh, Little Switzerland, like right outside of Asheville, maybe about 45 minutes. Cool. All right. Well, I-, I will definitely keep that in mind because I mean, I've heard I've heard good things about Asheville, and I've heard you know. I'm a guy that likes to go traveling. Like I like the beaches and everything, but I'm always up for some inland stuff. So if I'm ever in, in North Carolina, I will uh, I will keep that in mind. Well, Julian, yeah, definitely do that. But do this: if you come to North Carolina, please don't stay. We already have some Buffalo <laughs> people here. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll be sure to keep it brief for for any visit that I'm going to take to North Carolina for you for your sake. Uh, I appreciate Thank it, you. man. Thanks again for taking the time to join me on this uh, on this Saturday. Uh, best of luck the rest of the season for Carolina, and uh, happy holidays to you as well. Yes, thank you. Season can't end soon enough. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks again, Julian. Take care.
All right, bye. Julian Council from the Locked On Panthers podcast. For all things Panthers, subscribe to Locked On Panthers on the Odyssey app, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. He joins us, uh, joined us on the Wester Hotline here on WGR. Yeah, certain, certainly Julian with uh, – he did not mince his words, Zach, in terms of talking about Sam Darnold and talking about the situation with that offense because – uh, man, oh man, he was he was adamant just of how badly he thought Sam Darnold not only you know is but was before that injury and just that offense. I mean that that certainly makes me feel you know that much even more confident heading into this game. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely think so. It's it's interesting too because I I remember when he obviously gets traded to Carolina, a lot of people were excited. They were kind of thinking, "Ooh, maybe this is going to be a, a Ryan Tannehill light situation." He gets away from Adam Gase, he starts over. But I'm kind of glad Julian just said he's like, "No, he had three years of awful tape in New York. Why would anything change?" I, I think the most controversial thing he said though was Joe Brady. Brady was a hot name coming out of LSU, yeah. but he's right. Like it's. It, you had Jamar Chase. Justin Jefferson is well on his way to breaking the receiving yards <laughs> record before you turn 24. Right. I mean, he's he's right. He didn't recruit yeah. anybody. He, he had this boatload of talent. Mm-hmm. He took advantage of it. So, yeah. I mean, good for him. He got a job for a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, and not only that, but Joe Brady was a guy that I think was kind of in, like, Brian Dable territory last offseason where it's like, hey, like, this guy's up and coming. Like, don't be surprised if he gets consideration as a head coach. And obviously he got fired midseason in his second year in Carolina. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Dable's going to get fired as the offensive coordinator midseason or anything for the Bills. But, I mean, like, damn, like, that's, like, Julian did not hold back in terms of, like, criticizing the Panthers. And I really appreciate that. Like, that, like, Again, that makes me feel better, but it also kind of just puts it into perspective of just like how much of a mess this team is outside of their defense. And even then, like Julian didn't speak glowing of the defense in terms of like they don't get pressure. They haven't gotten pressure on any quarterback as of late, and it hasn't looked necessarily good. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things where I mean they get sacks, especially Brian Burns, who's probably the the pass rusher Bills fans should pay attention right. to. Right, and Hassan Riddick too is, yeah. is is a good name to to pay attention I think, to. I think the two of them have combined for like eighteen and a half sacks, but it's sort of the opposite effect that Bills fans are watching, where we get a ton of pressure, just we don't finish the play, we don't get the sacks. Right, where Carolina doesn't get a ton of pressure, but they'll have like three sacks in a mm-hmm. game, and it and it sort of it skews your your vision of the game, especially if you just uh, look at the stat sheet. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm looking at their defensive roster right now, and they've got names. They have good names on this team. I mean, um, you know, Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, we've mentioned. Um, you know, their injured guys include J.C. Horn, and uh, as as Julian mentioned as well, they don't have A.J. Bouye available this week. They're going to have C.J. Henderson and Stephon Gilmore. Jeremy Chin is a guy that last year got off to a red hot start and was great all year last year. Uh, let's see, who else is a, a name of note on this team? Former Bill linebacker Julian Stanford, even though I'm I'm sure he's not uh I'm sure he's not exactly a uh formidable force on that team. Shaq Thompson's still around. He's you know, he's a force on that defense and another name that um, was talked about quite a bit, especially when he was coming out in the draft as potentially a first-round pick, is um, Gross Matos from Penn State last year in, in the 2020 draft. So he's there. Um, not sure exactly what kind of production he's put up. I'm going to click on his bio real quick and see what he's done this year. Uh, one sack. 
and 11 solo tackles. Not great. Not great. But, I mean, again, yeah, I mean, the, the defense has names. They They have played relatively well this year. It's just... Like Julian said, can they get to Josh Allen? Can they get pressure on him? Because I think a lot of teams have realized this year, if you're going to beat Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense, you have to get pressure on him, and you have to you have to do what it takes to to make him feel uncomfortable back there. Sure, he's got the feet to get away. Sure, he's got the ability to make plays with his feet. But I mean, Josh Allen is banged up. How much of a factor that's going to be? I'm not too sure. But if they're going to do anything to to try and beat the Bills, they've got to get to Josh Allen. See what happens. Anything can happen at that point. 803-0550. My thanks again to Julian, by the way, for joining us. Uh, uh, like A little background into today's show. Uh, I'm hosting for Nate today. And um, sort of a last-minute thing where Nate had something come up and he couldn't host. So Thursday I get a text. It's like, are you are you available to host for me? It's like, yeah, sure. Like, I can do that. So I had to I had to put together a guest list yesterday while also doing everything that I had to do over at WBEN. So I was busy with that, busy trying to book guests, and Julian was was gracious enough to join us. It's easy to book Sal and Paul because, you know, they're staffers and, and they're you know, you ask and very rarely are Sal and Paul ever gonna tell you no. So, you know, that was easy enough. And then I texted Marty last night too before the game and I was just like, "Hey, you, you want to come talk some hockey for a bit?" And knowing Marty, he'll he'll talk my head off, but that's okay. I love Marty, so I'll 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 listen to Marty talk hockey all day. So, and and that's where we're going to shift here going forward here with hockey for a little bit and get some thoughts on everything that's going on um with with the Sabres and with everything else going on in the NHL. Paul Hamilton will join us next. Marty will join us at 1. So stay tuned because uh the Sabres are playing fun hockey again. Yes, yesterday wasn't exactly the best game that they've played, uh, especially in this road trip that they had. They played really well against Minnesota. They played really, really well against the the Jets. Um, but they were tired yesterday, and it showed. However, they still got a point in overtime. They come away with five or six points. We'll get some thoughts from Paul Hamilton coming up next here. Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. You're listening to WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Paul Hamilton. I have a secret Santa that I get a gift on my porch every year. I have no idea who drops it off. How long has this secret Santa been going on for? Since 2012. Wow. And you have no idea? I don't have a clue. It's time to get a camera out there, Paul. What if you found the person then they thought, oh, I'm sorry. I must have the wrong house. I don't know who you are. (laughs) No, because there is a thing that says Merry Christmas, Paul. But I can't figure out the writing. It's not like the cutout letters from a magazine. Like a ransom note, oh like my happy goodness. Merry Come Christmas, on. Paul. Like a no, there's, there's actual writing. Oh, boy. So yeah, I could get fingerprints if you want. Well, what, you can go get a handwriting expert. Somebody can track down something. Considering you're, cool considering idea, you're a reporter, Paul, you'd think you'd be able to find out something. <laughs> Apparently, you're not really good at your job. Well, that's not my job. That's detective right. work. At least you know hockey. On WGR Sports Radio 550, and we're very thankful that Paul knows hockey uh, because. 
Paul's always fun to listen to. Paul Hamilton joining us right now on the Wester Hotline on WGR. Paul, have you ever found out who your secret Santa is, or is that still a big secret? Still a big secret. I once we was leaving and opened my garage, didn't know the person was, and saw a car leaving my house. Mm. But it was dark, and I couldn't see the like the car if I recognized it or anything. That close, that close to finally so getting was, that answer. I, had I opened my garage ten seconds or twenty seconds earlier, I probably would have seen the person actually walking away from my porch. Well, that's unfortunate, but hey, you know, maybe one day you'll find out, or maybe it's just a blessing that you never know who it's going to be. <laughs> Paul Hamilton joining us on the Western Hotline. His appearance on WGR is brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your future is more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide, and by Relax Honda, Relax. We got this. All right, Paul. Uh, the road trip for the Sabres was a really good success. They get five out of six points. Um, you know, granted, they they certainly, you know, didn't look great last night, but they were certainly tired. You could see it in the legs. They just didn't really have much come the end of the game. But, you know, the Sabres are actually fun to watch again. They're, they're more than just tolerable to watch. They're actually entertaining. They've gotten points in four straight games, and Maybe it could have been five had a mistake not been made on an offside call. So, uh, yeah, they uh, that's the thing. Maybe we are seeing some good improvement from this team because they certainly weren't up for it last night. But what teams that are good at improving do is they find a way to get points. Really, really good teams, when they're tired, find a way to win. But still, <laughs> to give up 48 shots in the – golden opportunities they were giving up to overcome a two-goal deficit, get that game into overtime, and uh, still get a point out of it. And and beat two hard – win in two hard places to win in. Winnipeg and Minnesota are not the easiest places in the world to win in. Winnipeg isn't as good this year, but Minnesota's – that's a quality win to walk into their building and play as well as you did. And – hold a team that's second in the league in scoring and for eight of the its past nine games it scored four or more goals and to be able to walk in there and, and take a three to two win and I think one thing and, and I know you've mentioned this quite a bit and I agree with you on this and I'll bring it up here despite the Sabres getting outshot 48 to 21 yesterday it never ever felt like to me for one second the game was not out of reach for the Buffalo Sabres. It seemed like that they were in, at some point, I honestly felt like they were sustaining offensive zone time, they had control of the puck, and it just felt like eventually that they were going to get a good bounce or they were going to get something good happen for them, that that nice bounce happened on the Gergensen goal, and then Rasmus Dahlin makes a really nice play to jump up and score the game-tying goal. It just never felt to me that the Sabres were completely out of this. Yeah, and even the other variable is they were playing a goaltender whose numbers are at the top of the league and and spotted them two goals, gave them a two-goal lead. Tristan Jari came into the game with a 1.92 goals against and a 9.34 save percentage, which are both right at the top of the league. So you, you stake him to two goals at home on a team that's won five in a row, you're thinking, oh, well, I wonder how Columbus is, you know, <laughs> looking forward to Monday. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't the idea the Sabres had. I mean, they right. just, they just uh, you know, kept at it, kept working as hard as they could, as, as you mentioned. I mean, it was three games in four, four cities in four days. 
Winnipeg, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. So they went right across the Midwest, back east to the Midwest, back to the east in Canada for one of them. And, uh, you know, survived with five out of six points. And, you know, in, in a game where they weren't playing well, now they had to get a save. Now Malcolm Subban would want the first goal back. but And, and you know what? The overtime goal, I'm not at all blaming him mm-hmm. in the least. But that's the that's the save I sometimes talk about. It's a hard save. Yeah. It's a wide open save, but it's a save you hope maybe your goaltender to get for you to get you out of a jam. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, and, and that obviously was a jam. Yeah. But still, I'm not going to insult the way he played. I mean, he made some phenomenal – he might have made the save of the year yeah. earlier in the game, and he made some great saves and – you know, show that maybe he can play in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and that, and and that play in overtime too that led to the goal. Marty, I think, did a great job bringing you down, and I'm, we're going to talk with Marty about it at one. But certainly, that play was one where you're you're scratching your head with Cody Eakin, thinking, yeah. you know, like what what are you trying to do there? I, I get it, you're trying to advance the the faceoff forward, but if your other two teammates on a on your three on three situation don't expect you to do that, like. It, it's a set play almost in your head, and it's it's going to result in really nothing going on in it's the end. It's a set play for him only. Yeah, right. If you look at the play, had he been successful and knocked the puck forward, he had a breakaway, mm-hmm. a clean-cut breakaway, because the Penguins had taken off and Carter had taken off. So if if he was successful in what he did, he would have, from that point forward, had a wide-open breakaway. So that's – what he was thinking Mm -hmm. it's an all or nothing play either you're successful and you walk in alone on the goaltender or you're not and what happened behind you happened yeah and so it's almost a play that all right we're ending the game right here either we're gonna we're gonna win it because I'm gonna walk in on a breakaway and score or we're gonna lose it because they're gonna go in on the two-on-one and score right and and let's just remember it's Cody Eakin making that play (laughs) I mean he's he's been he's been relatively good this year like I'm not gonna like completely throw him onto the bus and but it's remember it's Cody Eakin the, the yeah. offense comes here and there it's it's shoddy with him yeah I don't think I would have the gain compared to the loss I don't think I would have done that play um I, I just think there was too much of a negative and people are saying what is Eakin out there I think those are the people maybe not paying attention he's mm-hmm. been doing that all year um what what Granado does since they're in the bottom of the league in faceoffs and they really don't have anybody, and Eakin's the guy that can win a faceoff, is he'll put him out there to win the draw, get possession, and go to the bench. Mm-hmm. And he does that a lot. And he's actually, for the most part, been pretty good at it. Right. And 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 Ralph Kruger did that too, right? He did that with, I don't even remember who he did that with, Riley Shan or somebody like that. It might have been the coach before him. Oh, Phil Housley. At at times, it might have even been Bilesma. At times it drove me crazy because (laughs) the Sabres would have to wait for that guy to come off the bench. And it it was just, it just seemed like, you know, well, you had a break here. You could have taken off, but you didn't because we got to run the centerman off to to go. But that's how important possession is. Um, You know who it was? It was Curtis Lazar. Yeah. That's who it was. It was Mm -hmm. with Ralph Kruger and Curtis Lazar would come on the ice, win the faceoff, and then go right back to the bench. <laughs> yeah, who was the faceoff guy they had? And it wasn't O'Reilly because he would have stayed out there. It was oh yeah they they had a a faceoff guy who mm. was uh, kind of like Eakin, and that might have been the one I'm thinking of with uh, Bilesma. 
that would really have no oh. business being out there, but he's always going to win you the draw. Hold on, I've got to, I've got to go back here on hockey reference if the ads don't keep getting in my way, because, <laughs> uh, because I think, because yeah, you're definitely right. There was a a guy that he had that was like the face-off specialist, quote unquote. Um, I got it, I got it, I know exactly who. It wasn't a draw guy. It was Josh Georges. Josh, he would put him out there, and oh, if they yeah. won the draw, oh. he would skate to the bench. Yep. And if they lost the draw, he would defend. That's what it was. It yeah. wasn't a centerman. It was Josh George's on defense, and it drove me off out of my mind. Well, I think because you had to run him off the ice <laughs> from the defensive position, and yeah, that yeah. was it. Uh, another guy that I think that you may be thinking of is like that that face that face off guy or whatever was Derek Grant. For whatever reason, I always just felt like Derek Grant was always out there for a key face off, and then would just like disappear off the ice somewhere. Or, I mean, he might have still been on the ice and disappeared, but. And he'll do that on a late play, too, like when they got the goaltender pulled. Mm -hmm. And again, you might get, why is Eakin out there? (laughs) Well, there's 10 seconds left in the game. If they don't win the draw, they're not getting a chance. Mm -hmm. They got to get possession of the draw, or you'll see him out on a power play, or or even sometimes on a rare and rare occasion, I've seen him on a five-on-three try to win the draw and then go to the bench. Mm If so yeah, it's it's different. It, it can work for you, but you, you you've got to be you know smart about it too in the way in the way you do it. And don't forget, I mean, on one of those instances I'm talking about, Cody Eakin does have a power play goal this year. He did wind up scoring on one of them mm-hmm. where he won the draw. They got possession and they scored pretty quick. Paul Hamilton joining us here on the Western Hotline. And it's funny, Paul, because I just got a text in on our text line saying, as they lined up for that faceoff, I literally said, Cody, you're not Jack Eichel. Don't push the faceoff. So, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like watching that back, just kind of like I, I don't understand uh, Cody Eakin's decision. Um, Paul, before we get to like a bigger perspective in terms of like what the league does with their COVID situation. Um, I, I did want to get your thoughts on the goaltending situation because Malcolm Subban stood on his head last night. Uka Pekalukunen has looked phenomenal for the Sabres in his five-game stretch. Uh, when Dustin Tokarski comes back, he's he's off the COVID list. He's practicing back in Buffalo. So you've got a situation where you're going to have three goaltenders, and now mind you, the NHL situation may change depending on everything that's developing. It seems like it's a every minute they're changing something situation, but let's just say it's the same situation where they have to have two goaltenders on the roster or whatnot. What are they doing? Because in my eyes, you're not sending Lukanen back at this point. They play extremely well with Lukanen in net. The team looks more confident than they ever have in their goaltending with Lukanen back there. And with the with the production that he's put up, not every game has been a win, but certainly I it it just it's so hard for me to envision a situation where you're sending Lukanen back to Rochester despite, you know, Malcolm Subban and Dustin Tokarski already being here. I think what they have in their heads right now is they would like to move forward with Subban and Lukanen for a while because I think you, – you know how last year there was a lot of experimenting with Granado. He would try things because he wanted to see that when it really mattered if it would work, you know, so he would try different things. I think they want to try that for a bit because if it works, there are your two goaltenders for next year because I think one of the two college goalies will come out and go to Rochester and play. So I think what what the the ideal situation they're thinking of and what they'd like to do is get a look at Subban, get a look at Lukanen to keep going in the number one position, 
would that mean Tukarski sits here as a number three, or would that mean he'd go to Rochester, you know, go on waivers and go to Rochester? I'm not sure what exactly all that would mean. Um, you, so yeah, it's it. They could wind up a three, and we could wind up with taxi squads again. Right. Yeah. That's and that's that's kind of what I was trying to bring up. There was just this ever this situation with the NHL seems like it's it's. I don't want to say it's like going completely south, but it's not heading in the right direction in terms of just more teams are going to be going on pause here. It seems like the Bruins are um, expecting an announcement here shortly with their season being put on hold. And the Panthers, the Avalanche, the, you know, the Flames, their season is on hold through the holiday break. Just with everything developing here with the COVID-19 situation in the league, they're not going to go on pause for a huge break here. Like, you know, what we saw right off the bat, but certainly Paul, I'm kind of thinking in my head, like at this point, I highly doubt that the NHL is going to allow their players to go over to, to China to play in the Olympics. I, I know that. I don't think they have a choice. Uh, man, I, just at this point, it just it's seems. It's up to the players. It's, yeah. they, they negotiated that, and they don't have a choice. Yeah. So there's not an owner that wants them to go over there. It's very true. They don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, but, but I mean, there are players like Eric Carlson has openly spoken his mind and saying just kind of like, Eric Carlson's going to be one of the top defensemen for Sweden this year, and it just seems like. I don't know if I want to take that chance in going over, and if I test positive, having to stay over there for a full month and some with the with the protocols that they have over there. So at this point, honestly, if would the NHL at some point maybe think about like, hey, if if this hypothetical situation where they agree not to go to the Olympics, so on and so forth, they they pull out of allowing the players to go out, um, would they move the Olympic break up just to give everybody a break or or anything like that? Well, I don't know if it's moved the Olympic break up, but games would start being scheduled in that time. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of games to make up. And a wide open, what is it, two and a half, three weeks to right. do it. So, you know, I, I I think immediately you would see games start to be rescheduled into that. into that. They would start using that in, in it. So, um, I think, you know, right now, Buffalo and Columbus, for example, aren't having a problem. And I say right now. By the time you're off the air, one of the two teams or both may have a problem. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But, uh, you know, so I think the NHL says, why should we pause the season and have two more games that we have to reschedule and both those teams are okay and they could play on Monday and Thursday? So I think they would rather put specific teams on pause than put the season on pause. Mm-hmm. And, is you know, if, if, if teams can pull off games, let them pull off games right up until the holiday break. Yeah. Which the last games would be on Thursday. And at least those are games that you don't have to make up, knowing that there, there are going to be some other teams that are going to have to go on pause. I mean, the Red Wings are starting now. You know, all of a yeah. sudden they've got a bunch of coaches and players uh, starting. So. But, uh, you know, they may look at, so what? We have 10 or 12 teams on pause. We still may be able to get some games in that don't have to be made up. Yeah, and, and real quick, Paul, before I let you go, I, I also just had this thought in my mind. Would the NHL consider the the possibility of, yes, they're going to have some players playing over in China for the Olympics, but would they possibly consider trying to make up those games during the break regardless if they have to pause and, and postpone so many games? I don't think so because if you're a good team, and you have a bunch of players over there, like four, five, six, seven players. Mm-hmm. 
or you're a team – that's not a good example. You're a team that's right on the cusp of a playoff spot, mm-hmm. and you have four or five or six players over there. And then you have to go play three or four games without them, plus not playing with your injuries. Is that – first of all, you're going to call like six guys up from your from your AHL team <laughs> yeah. to play? Very true. Um, you know, that, that, that just, to me, doesn't seem – I'm not saying they won't do it. This is the NHL. <laughs> they they can come up with any goofball fair. idea that that uh, that rolls along. But fair, fair. from a competitive standpoint, I, I just don't don't see how they they could justify doing that to teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. Well, Paul, I appreciate you taking time, and and hopefully the the fun hockey continues, and hopefully for that matter, just hockey continues. Because if if the season had to shut down again. Um, even if it was only for like a two or three week period, that would just suck. It would just suck not having hockey to talk about or watch or just having something entertaining in our lives, especially since the Sabres are playing much, much better. Well, the problem with this variant is um, it's in the most part, as far as athletes go and the NFL and the NHL, most of them, a very, very high percentage are not feeling symptoms. Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, I tested positive, but I'm fine. Yeah. Type of a thing. Mm hmm. You know, and so that's that's the p- big thing about this variant, too. They're getting a lot of people who are texting positive, but they're not feeling any symptoms whatsoever. Yeah. Well, Paul, hopefully for our sake, the season will go on and they'll find a way to push through. But I appreciate you pushing through with this segment with me and, uh, and, and talking some good Sabres hockey. And enjoy the weekend. And in case I don't talk to you again before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, happy holidays to you and and yours, and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Paul Hamilton joining us here on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Paul's appearance, as always, is brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning your future is more than just about money. Let Equitable be your guide, and by Relax Honda, Relax, we got this. We're late. I know, Zach. I'm sorry. We'll get a break in, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up for Hour 2, and then get Marty Biron in here and, and probably continue to go late to the break uh, with Marty. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There's something about jazz Christmas music that just like it hits. Like this, this instrumental it's, hits. It's, it's good. the elite Christmas music. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of smooth jazz. You feel like you're by a fire. Mm-hmm. Oh. For sure. Ah, uh, welcome back in. It's Saturday. It's wet. It's not going to be wet for the Bills game tomorrow, but it, it's wet today. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary. Thanks again to Nate. Thanks again for uh, everybody tuning in. Uh, Paul Hamilton was just on with us here on WGR. Earlier this hour, we had um, Julian Council from Locked On Panthers podcast join us as well. 
You can listen to both of those interviews on demand. You can use the Odyssey Rewind function on your app, on your computer. Feel free to uh, to rewind and listen and, and get back in on what you may have missed in the first two hours. Because hour three, uh, we're going to talk with Marty coming up next. That's that's I mean, <laughs> Zach's in there just like clapping, and I'm I always clap when when Marty comes on. I love listening to Marty. I love talking with Marty, and um, who knows where this is going to go with this conversation? But certainly. Um, We'll, we'll talk plenty of Sabres. We'll talk plenty of hockey coming up. But, um, again, appreciate uh, appreciate everybody that is listening in. And, you know, of course, with, with hockey and with Saturdays, it's sports jersey Saturday, Zach. Where is your jersey? You, you missed the memo. I, I did miss every, the memo. Every Saturday that I'm in and I host, I, I'm following through with the tradition that Jeremy brought up during the pandemic where, hey, on Saturdays, you wear a sports jersey. Like sport, sport your team. Sport, you know, a cool design. I've got my North Stars jersey on today. I do like it. I really do mm-hmm. like that one. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the North Stars. I wish they were still around, but you know, hey, they they moved to Dallas. They're now the Dallas Stars. They have a, a cool victory green color instead of, you know, the classics. But I could also go into how the the Wild totally screwed up their reverse retro jerseys last year by bringing back the North Star colors, but keeping the but you know I'll I'll just digress. I'll I'll go to break now. Marty Baron coming up next in the final hour of Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR, the holiday edition of Sports Talk Saturday, uh, because again we will be off for next Saturday due to Christmas, and I do believe Nate's not coming on the Saturday after that because it's New Year's Day. Uh, anyway, we're here. We're talking with you. 803-0551-888-552-550. One last hour of Sports Talk Saturday to come on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.